Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. This is Erica Slater, and today I'm joined with Elizabeth McNulty and Liz Lenevy. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hi. So today we are going to talk about how we're going to be the Emily Posts of the legal world right now and talk about having manners in the setting of having an opponent. Because we have been sharing stories as we've been sitting here and realize that there are plenty of times that we maybe would like a little bit better manners from our opponents or times when we were either second guessing our own manners or how to artfully and tactfully navigate either a tough social or professional situation. But of course, in our profession that is always contentious, always in conflict, always advocating for your client against an opponent, obviously that can be lost sometimes. So we wanted to share some examples with you guys today of how we've gotten through these, you know, probably very specific scenarios that we are going to try to make sound as generic as possible. (laughs) And I wanted to give a recent example. So I was recently working up a case for trial and it did settle before trial. And we settled right before trial. And we had to go in and talk to the judge as far as, you know, announcing to her like, hey, you know, here it is Monday morning and and we're not trying the case. And so I let everyone know I was going to go. And I showed up at court and there were two other defendants. One defendant's attorney was up there and we were in passing. He's like, oh yeah, I just peeked my head in and, and let her know it's all good. And it was really interesting because you know, you chit chat a little bit. And the court staff that were back in chambers only had questions for me about the behavior of one of the attorneys that was involved in the case throughout the case. Because throughout this case, I had done my best to hold my cool, especially in some really contentious hearings. And it was clear at some of the hearings that, you know, this person was on thin ice and kind of so was the whole case because it was becoming a thorn in the court side. Keep in mind too that my this was a birth injury case and my the parents were very involved and the mom and I had a great relationship and would talk pretty often and she read the depositions. And so throughout the case this opposing counsel was extremely condescending, extremely rude in a lot of the depositions and I just, you know, I've gone back and read those transcripts cuz I would remember you know, how just shitty I felt after the deposition, even if I took like substantively a good deposition, I'm sitting there like, what is wrong with this situation? Like, are you okay? <laughs> like, why am, are you attacking me, you know, at every moment? So it was a hard situation to deal with and some really bad antics because I tried to take the high road and I tried to have what I consider good manners good professionalism but man did I want to get down in the muck and talk about how you know terrible that this person this other attorney had acted throughout this case and how you know time after time he just attacked me and and what I was doing and you know pretended like my case had no merit and I know that's not the case I know we've talked a lot in podcasts about dealing with 
difficult opposing counsel and how we do that. And quite frankly, I'm sure, especially for our niche of listeners who are female litigators, that's a conversation you could have you know, every other week. So it's it's a topic that doesn't run out. But as far as situations where you've had to think about, like, what would Emily Post do here? What are the manners? What do we need to think about when we're approaching certain situations? Uh, okay, so first, uh, I want to assume that there are listeners out there like me who has no idea who Emily Post is. Oh, really? Oh, Emily Post wrote the book on manners and, I don't know, uh, our southern gal over here is going to explain it better. <laughs> well, Liz... I mean, off the top of my head, I can tell you that Emily Post wrote the book on manners and etiquette. She was alive from the late 1800s to the mid-1900s. And she... Born in Baltimore, so maybe her and Steve, your husband, are related, perhaps. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, she's a cultural fixture of decorum. Okay, well, I guess I was raised in a barn, because I don't know. (laughs) You You can use Emily Post as a reference book for good manners. Okay. All right. So what does Emily Post recommend when I feel like I am specifically getting targeted with bad manners by opposing counsel because of my age and gender? It's interesting, Eric, because I do feel that generally, overall, our practice, and specifically I've heard good things about the St. Louis community. That's true. That, that we are pretty collegial pretty professional to one another and that has been the majority of my experience but certainly not all that's why it's so offensive when you know someone sticks out like a sore thumb right right and I and I just you know I remember being in law school and hearing it 10,000 times the St. Louis community legal community is very small so if you are known as someone who is difficult or unpleasant or rude or dishonest, then that gets around. Word gets around fast. And, you know, I I think I've always tried to be a generally respectful person. That's just how I was raised in general, Emily, Emily Post or not. But I can't help but wonder whenever I have a bad interaction with another lawyer, and I will say the majority of the times that I have had bad interactions with other lawyers, it has been with older men not every time not every time i'm not speaking in absolutes but the vast majority of them have been with older men and i don't know if that's just who they are as a person if they are generally unpleasant or if there is something specific about me being a woman and also being probably young enough to be their child in some cases grandchild that makes them feel that i am not worthy of the respect that should be bestowed upon anyone within your professional industry or our professional industry. The way that I have tried to navigate it really is by just uh, trying to to do my best Michelle Obama. When they go low, we go high. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was younger, it often turned into, you know, I've won as long as I haven't shown any reaction or emotion. And that's how I tried to control it was just don't let them know that that they've rattled you. Having practiced now, oh, my goodness, eight years. I'm at eight years. It's September of 23. And I think at this point, I I don't it's not enough for me to just not show that I'm not rattled. If the 
occasion calls for it, I need to say something. And oftentimes what it turns into and what I've found, and this has happened to me very recently, where just drawing some incredibly silly objections in depositions, things that I think, I'm sorry, you've been practicing for how long? You know better. You should know better. When I was younger, I probably did not feel enough confidence in my my skill set, my knowledge, my experience to say something. But now I have enough confidence to say something. And that sometimes is including correcting people on the record of saying, that's not the law. You And I always couch it as you and I both know that's not the law. Like, I am, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt here <laughs> that you know better and you're just trying to pull something over on me and I'm just letting you know that's not going to work. I certainly hope that you know better. So, you know, for example, I... I, I just got a, a really goofy objection that had no, no basis in what our laws are in Missouri. And I let it go the first time when he, when my opposing counsel made the objection the first time. And then the second time, I, I think politely, but with authority, informed him that he was wrong about what the law was. And he fought me on it, but then he never did it again. So that is how I have found you maintain decorum in this otherwise pretty contentious profession is you just have to say things with authority and trust yourself and trust your knowledge base that you are correct, but you don't have to make the fight personal. You have to keep it above that. I think I've been overall pretty lucky in most of my interactions that they have not gotten too personal but I know that that's not everybody's experience. So, <laughs> Elizabeth? <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting topic just because our jobs are weird in that, and I feel like we've talked about this before, it's so high stakes and it's hard not to take it personally because it feels like sometimes like your reputation's on the line. And I know for you know defense lawyers, it's it's their corporate clients and they're probably a lot more involved in the litigation than in general our clients are. So they're reading everything. A lot of like objections are kind of showboating for their clients and they need to look big and bad in these depositions. And sometimes that means like, you know, bullying a 30 year old woman. And it's like a weird, like sometimes you just like <laughs> yeah. think of it as like this 50 year old man is like yelling at me in this deposition and he goes home to his like 10 year old kids. And it's just like so weird. Like it's just like, I just don't get it. But anyway, and you just got like I think you get used to it after a while, like kind of desensitized because it's, it's just part of our job. And so my general my first general reaction is just I'm not very good at like a poker face. So just like they'll know that I don't care for their behavior just by the <laughs> scowl on my face. And sometimes that's enough. But I'll like call it out eventually. And sometimes that's effective and sometimes it's not. I try to mirror my professional life to my personal life. In my personal life, I aim to be as gracious as I can. I aim to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. I try to have good manners and think of others' feelings. And when you get in a, when you get in the arena like that, those ideas kind of go by the wayside because, you know, like giving your opponent the benefit of the doubt can hurt your client. 
you know? Now, Liz, when you said, said it, like, you were being gracious. And I think that those skills, if you translate them correctly to a professional setting for us it, as litigators, are the most helpful skills because they can be so disarming. So, like, even, you know, you're in a deposition that gets really contentious and and it's legit. Like, you have something to argue about. Like, they're arguing that you're going too far on something. You know you kind of are, but you're thinking you're, you might be getting to something. They want to protect their client. You want to see if there's any dirt to dig. And, you know, you might be hashing things out. And that's a substantive, like, appropriate disagreement in a deposition, but then to be able to respectfully get through that interaction and then at the end to be able to like jump back in and re-engage in that small talk, you know, not in a cavalier way, but like to, you know, say like, hey, any plans this weekend or, you know, hey, you know, thanks for your courtesies in this, you know, earlier in the week or something like that. I think that that disarms people and kind of brings you back to the level of equal as far as like, okay, I'm acknowledging to you, we can fight it out hard and then reset. So our next interaction, you've now walked away opposing counsel, knowing that, you know, you can't put that, you know, she's a jerk lawyer hat on me because I was fighting hard for my client you know I'm still a person who cares about you and my relationship with you and, you know, being professional, whatever. I find that is helpful. And I think when I don't get that back or, you know, someone like stomps off after a deposition where it was hard fought or something like that, like I'm so <laughs> offended. And I'm like, and I, I just feel so naive saying that because I'm kind of like, what's the point then? Like, why would you want to struggle and fight in a way that is just nasty when you could pride yourself on having good opposing counsel relationships? I find that the best and smartest and, quite frankly, the most difficult attorneys to work against because they're smart <laughs> are also some that I have the best professional relationships with. I feel like, you know, if you have someone with their back against the wall and they don't know what they're doing, that's when, like, the claws come out because you don't have, like, a legal basis or a pivot or you're not thinking through things. And the really good attorneys kind of function at that level of, oh, yeah, we can get along here while completely, you know, nothing about me having a nice interaction with you hurts my client. I think you're right, Elizabeth, when you say sometimes, you know, that... If a client's reading depositions or something like that, trying to, you know, see a lot of nasty defenses or, you know, trying to be big and bad might be. I've had clients sometimes, especially in trial, where, you know, we'll get it up, we'll get up there and really duke it out and everyone looks mad and we're, you know, kind of marching back to our counsel table and it's it's looks just obviously generally stressful and pretty unpleasant which you know trial can be sometimes and then at the end of it when the jury walks out this has happened in every trial i've ever been in everybody turns and shakes hands and yeah says, good work it was a pleasure working with you and i've had clients before say i, I can't stand that guy i don't know how you can shake his hand and i said be because like here's the thing after this case you never have to see that man or that woman again i might 
And I don't want them to think that I've had that they had such a bad interaction with me that that they then take it out on my next client. Because let's be honest, although we have bad interactions with with opposing counsel sometimes, my biggest concern is always that this person is going to take it out on my client. And I don't want that for them. And similarly, I try to be pretty respectful to the individuals that I depose, the defendants that I depose. And part of that is a strategy thing. You want them to be comfortable. You want them to feel okay around you and maybe let their guard down a little bit and answer honestly, as opposed to being so uptight and rigid because they're scared of you or they're scared that you're going to get into a fight or they're automatically defensive and reflexive. So... I think it is a, an important strategy. It's not just good professionalism and just being a good person. It is it is a part of the strategy of this work. But it is a really weird part of the job that I think that you have to get used to. Because it, it caught me off guard at first, and it could be because I'm a COVID lawyer, and <laughs> most of the depositions I took were on Zoom for a while, so you miss out on that small talk. Bef- well, the before is, like, really weird, but, like, there's no after, so you're, like, duking it out, and then you just log off. And I always feel weird now when you're, like, yelling at each other, and the depot's over, and you're like, hey, so, yeah, you know, what are you doing later? But I've gotten used to it now, and it's normal. But it is weird at first how, okay, the gloves are off, and we're, like, all friends now, but a few minutes ago, you were, like, being a real jerk it does feel like a little bit fake sometimes but actually i i get that it's actually it's probably more genuine the fake part is probably the yelling (laughs) i think that's the part that's not real i'm wrestling with this too in that case i started talking about at the beginning of this episode i got so many like schmarmy condescending things from this attorney like throughout the entire case and this person wasn't involved in the settlement negotiations at all, so found out like after the fact that it had settled and texted me and said, like, you know, that was a hard-fought case. Like, congratulations or Aren't something. They Aren't they all hard-fought? <laughs> and I was just like, I just, I just did not have, I didn't have the time for that. And the... You know, it sounds kind of innocuous, but it was it was I took it almost as an excuse for the bad behavior. And I mean, is that overselling it? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Like, oh, I I was just fighting hard for my client. Sees it as part of his job. Yeah. Yeah. And I just was like, "Mm -mm, I'm not in a position to let this person off the hook in any way, shape or form. And that's against my nature to not, you know, like try to be gracious or try to, you know, just be like, it's okay, like whatever. But I just left it and I just wanted to write that off, write, you know, write this person off and, and move on from the case. And now in, you know, the the post-resolution period of the case and um, needing to settle everything up with the court and um, coordinate a lot of things uh, for the clients. You know, I'm obviously continuing to have interactions with the attorneys, not the one that was an issue, but like things are fine, you know, or uh, manners are back. Everybody's, you know, kind of sick of the, the rancor of that case and everybody's working really well together. So I've been happy that it's come back at least, you know, with the 
subset of the attorneys involved in the case. You know, it's all come back kind of into baseline, but it was a tough case and it tested me quite a bit in that specific regard of priding myself on having good relationships with opposing counsel and being able to disarm instead of engage. I think, and Erica, I know the particular person you're talking about. Don't we all? <laughs> and I have also had the opportunity to work with this particular person, and I don't think quite had it to the same level that you did, but certainly had frustrating moments where I realized that this is this is not pleasant, and this is this is kind of out of the ordinary. Yes, for the majority of again of my interactions, and I think when I run into someone like that. What I like to do is ask around. Mm -hmm. If it's someone I've never worked with before, I ask around and say, hey, do you know so-and-so? What do you think about them? And once I hear a couple other people say, they're insufferable, that guy sucks, then then I'm like, oh, okay, it's just who he is as a person. Right, it's not about me. As a person. <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. I have done nothing wrong besides, I guess they don't like that I sued their client and too bad, too sad. Sorry, but if I didn't do this kind of stuff, I don't think you'd have a job either. <laughs> so maybe a little respect, but whatever. But honestly, I, I ask around and just make sure that this is not something that I have personally done yeah. or that there is just something specific to me that this person finds so terrible that they're going to treat me this way. And then I will say in this in the particular individual we we're talking about, this is just the reputation that they have earned for themselves. Yeah. And I, I laugh at myself because, I mean, you know, too much brain space given to it. You know, I would like crowdsource like ways to come back you know like I'd go into another attorney's office and be like listen to all this I'm I remember like clipping out like part of the testimony after I got a transcript and like sending it to John Simon and saying you know like because he brought John into it like well John just said this at a recent seminar and uh, you know I don't think he would be uh, approving of your questioning Erica like that was the sentiment of his like chastising me in a deposition I just clipped it out and emailed it to John and I'm like hey John do you agree with this <laughs> and he was like nope I checked my outline from that conference and I sure didn't say that <laughs> and you know it helps to have a, that's the point it helps to have supportive people and attorneys around you to be able to bounce some of this stuff off because the good point is is like while I'm in the thick of it and you know it feels very in the moment John talked to me in my office about it later that day and he just like completely was like this guy is small potatoes <laughs> you know and blew it off and it was and I could I could draw energy from that and and you know kind of be encouraged like yeah like this is just so silly even though it felt so rude at that time stop being rude <laughs> i think that's the that's the takeaway from this episode is just don't be rude don't be There's rude no for it don't be rude and be gracious yeah i mean this job is hard enough why why make it harder frankly i just it only makes you saltier it hurts the person who's like throwing out all that vitriol that's how i live my life though i don't know i have a i'm a firm believer in all the laws of karma and that's put me on the right course so far i feel <laughs> well thank you everyone and our listeners for helping me work through this recent traumatic opposing counsel experience. I think I'll put it away now and move on. Maybe send a thing or write a thank you note I'm not going to send just to fulfill my manners. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. You can catch our episodes on Wednesdays. See you next time. Bye. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. At The Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929. And if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to share your thoughts with Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And subscribe today because the best lawyers never stop learning.